Today is Friday, May 3rd, 2019. We're here with Mark Markchik and the Lemon Bucket Orchestra. Mark, welcome to Arkansas. Pleasure. My pleasure to be so here. So far, so good? Oh, it's been great. We came from New Orleans, so you can imagine like the total shock factor of coming into the into the woods in Arkansas. <laughs> right. Which is I mean, it's kind of you can't hope for any more on a tourist to see the extremes of of a country and to, you know, really feel everything in it. So we feel blessed. That's great. Yeah. And I know you got in uh, a day early, so you got to sort of relax, kind of soak everything in a little bit. That's always a nice treat when you're on the road. It is when you are in a national park. That's for sure, because, you know, and the, the cabins are beautiful and the space, there was music last night. We had some dinner. We had a chance to go and walk along the trails and we're feeling very rested, relaxed, ready to play tonight. Good, good. So just by way of context, uh, we were speaking earlier and sort of the impetus for bringing you here was um, the Folk Alliance a few years ago in Kansas City. And people were saying, how did you hear about asking me? How did you hear about this band? How did you even come across this? And I said, well, it was, uh, you know, probably a Friday afternoon and you guys were out uh, playing in the lobby and I walked by and heard you, uh, we call it fiddling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you use that term? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, people, people generally, like, I know that there's this whole group of of musicians that are very sort of adamant about calling it a fiddle or a violin or whatever. But for us, it's all kind of music. I could say fiddle, violin, it's just... It doesn't sound the same if I say, I heard you violining. Exactly. (laughs) It doesn't. It doesn't. just depends on the context, right? Yeah, right. So I anyway, heard you playing and sort of stopped, turned around. I was like, man, these guys sound great. All the percussion and everything. Went into the little hotel convenience store. Bought a to-go beer and just sat sat down to listen to you guys. That's yeah. the amazing thing about about Folk Alliance. Like, I guess for listeners that don't know what Folk Alliance is, it's this incredible sort of three-day uh, conference slash festival where the organizer basically decided we want to get together all of the different people who uh, associate with folk music whether that's Americana or that's that's traditional music from all over the world uh, or even DJs that play that kind of music and are inspired by that kind of music. We want to get them all together, that entire industry, and to let people network, play, discover each other. And uh, what it essentially turns into is like, you know, six floors of a hotel that are packed with music and showcases uh, that are happening within the hotel rooms and in the lobby and in the conference rooms for throughout those three days nonstop. So it's a, it's a pretty magical place. It is. And it can be a little overwhelming too. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, you kind of, as a musician, it's definitely overwhelming because you, you also see that there's just so much music going on all the time. And you, it's very rare that you get a chance to see how much folk music is is really happening across the country and across North America, and that's both you know inspiring and overwhelming because there's just so much good music out there. <laughs> yeah, and so what I wanted to get to there was, um, you know, your performance was kind of impromptu. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you all plan to go down there and do it, but um, the idea and correct me if I'm wrong here, I think. The tradition maybe with this band to a certain degree has been uh, busking and performing wherever you can find a space 
And that's is that part of how the band started and sort of that's how you've been. Of course, you're doing shows, but that's part of what you do, too, isn't it? It was definitely a big part of how we started. It, it was just um, a couple of us who, you know, had our roots in, in busking and playing on the street who were who were like, let's let's, you know, put together a group and start playing, playing out there for people. And we got a, a other musicians started to hear about it and joined on and learned the songs. And so we started to say, okay, well, let's get together and rehearse these, these songs or at least just teach each other, um, the arrangements and stuff like that. And eventually the, the house parties and the street corners became so busy that people were asking us, well, when can we actually see you in a concert setting? And you know that was that was the first step was to put to get put a concert together and then and then it snowballed from there. Now now you got you said you've been but been together eight years so we can sort of round that up. You're going on ten years. It sounds it's, better. That, yeah, sounds better. That I'm just curious how many uh, folks in the group now that were sort of in that initial organic phase of the uh, getting this together. I. Uh, it's, you know, there is, I often say that we started, um, it was four of us when we started. Three of those are in the band currently. Wow. But it's also, I mean, that, that, those were like the first, the very first four, but it very, like within the first year, it kind of grew to, um, you know, 10 or 11. And, um, you know, three of those 10 or 11 are also still in the group. But I mean, we've gone through so many musicians. I can imagine. Like I, it's, I, I often say that kind of, you know, we have half of Toronto has been in Lemon Bucket at <laughs> one point or another. And it feels like kind of everybody, it's like six degrees of separation from Lemon Bucket. Like everybody has a brother or a friend or roommate who's been in Lemon Bucket or on tour with Lemon Bucket at some point, and I think we've I think we've had something like forty five musicians come wow. through the group. And Toronto seems like an excellent place for what you guys do. It's uh, it's a really international city. It's got cultural influences from all over the globe, which really lends itself to what you guys do. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of how our group. Um, I guess came into notoriety or sort of started to work professionally as a group was was because of this incredible folk, you know, urban folk scene that that is happening in Toronto. People from all over the world that wanted to share their traditional culture, um, but not have to sort of hide away outside in the suburbs or in community centers, but bring it to the streets of Toronto and bring it into the clubs of downtown Toronto because, you know, we felt that there was this this infectious energy that we wanted people to be a part of. And it was really that community of, of all of those musicians, not just the ones who were in Lemon Bucket, but this larger, this larger crew of maracatu drummers and flamenco singers and, and klezmer musicians and New Orleans brass players and um, and singer-songwriters as well. Like lot, lots of just different musicians from different places came together and said, you know, we're, we're making a space for ourselves in the city. And that's, that's I, I feel like that, that Toronto is, is kind of 
I mean, it's really one of the only places that I know that I've been to where that kind of a movement can take hold. Wow. Yeah, you mentioned uh, New Orleans Brass Band there, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I was describing sort of what you do to some friends a couple days ago, and there's there are a lot of similarities there. Instrumentation, you know, you've got the sousaphone, you've got the bass drum, the... Uh, not the djembe. What does Josh a play? Darbuka, uh, a darbuka. Yes. Yeah. Uh, although it's not a snare drum, but, no. you know, still sort of... Sa- serves the same function. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, there's some similarities there, the energy, the dancing, and all that goes along with it. So you said you just came from New Orleans. Uh, had you seen brass bands like that in person before? I'm, I'm wondering, you know, sort of when you when this band got its sound... Were you familiar with New Orleans brass bands, and what what kind of influence does that have, if if any? Well, so, I mean, some of our guys are really familiar with those bands because, um, you know, a, a big part of chunk of the band is not Eastern European. Um, grew up playing, you know, jazz or folk or anything like that, and so they know that stuff really well. And it was only through meeting, you know, myself and the other sort of key members that um, started the band that they got exposed to Eastern European folk music. I'm Ukrainian myself and sort of have spent a lot of time in Eastern Europe. Um, And so, I mean, they were familiar with it. And so that kind of naturally made its way in to music, like even with, even subconsciously, it just like ingrained in their playing the same way that, you know, there's certain Ukrainian embellishments and, and, uh, um, and trills and stuff that are like, it's just in my playing whether I want it to be or not. And uh, and so, yeah, there's, I mean, we knew, but it was never a conscious thing because to bring it in, because there's actually like big brass band traditions in a whole number of different countries that are very, very similar to that. So in, in Serbia and Bulgaria and Macedonia and sort of the Balkans, there's a massive brass band tradition that is... That's my closest point of reference to the kind of New Orleans scene. And when I, when we, this was my first time down in New Orleans, and when I saw the Treme, uh, you know, brass band play on the on the corner on on uh, on Frenchman Street, like I immediately went, "This is exactly like it is in Serbia." And isn't it then you can almost see the the lineage and yeah. how everything's connected. Totally. There's, yeah. there are connections that are, I mean, a lot of those brass instruments, I mean, they're, they, you can trace their roots back to the Ottoman empire and then there, are, but you know, trombones that are now sort of in Eastern Europe as well. Those are from the U S marching bands that came through there in certain, at certain points in history. And you can see that in Mexican brass band music as well. Like there's a lot of shared culture, a lot of, and um, and then a lot of things that are unique and that are different. So obviously, you know, Serbian brass band and New Orleans brass band, they have a completely different style way of using each of the instruments, but that sheer force and energy and, and that desire to entertain out, out in open spaces, that's really, really similar. It's all there. Yeah, yeah we just, related to it a lot. I was just sort of imagining, like, you know, there's a Mardi Gras parade, and here comes up, you know, the whole tradition with the second line, and here comes the band they go through, and everybody thinks it over, and then here you guys come 
bringing it up from the rear and everybody's yeah. like, oh, wow, check that out. It's cool. We yeah. we definitely played on, on Frenchman. Did on, you? On Saturday or Sunday night, Wednesday. I don't know. I don't remember. Every night is Saturday yeah, night in New Orleans. <laughs> right. But we were out on... On the corner, and it, I mean, it didn't take long for a, uh, a big crowd to gather, and they were having a great time, for sure. I bet, I bet. Um, I want to ask you about, uh, a little bit about your fiddle style, your fiddle playing. Uh, is that your, is that where you started out musically, on that instrument? Yeah, I mean, I, I had played a little bit as a kid, and um, like a lot of kids, I just, I stopped playing basically when it came point when it came that time to learn to read music and that was sort of I wasn't into that anymore and I got more into sports and and I just put it away and and I and I came back to the violin hmm. um as an adult like in my 20s and it happened in Ukraine I just moved over there and you know was making new friends and and uh and I I ran into a group of street musicians that I eventually started I eventually lived with and when they found out that I had played violin as a kid, they found me a violin and sort of were encouraging me to to play to play with them Ukrainian folk music. And I loved that like the it really was folk music that drew me into music and drew me into the violin because all of a sudden it wasn't about music for performance or music for some kind of like intellectualization. It was just it was music to share. Yeah. It was music to share experience to whether we're sharing food, whether we're sharing a drink, whether we're just sharing the sky that we're under, we're, we're the way that we're feeling, a sad song, a happy song. Uh, um, and it kind of with them, it didn't matter that I was, that I didn't, you know, I didn't sound good or I couldn't remember. It was just, let's just, let's share this moment together. And of course, you know, that evolved and that developed over time and, and we started learning more and more and more and and then you know opened up this whole world of different types of eastern european folk music and i fell in love with uh romanian you know romanian lautari music it's called which are like the the roma wedding musicians and there's a big sort of genre of romanian folk music that has its own kind of swing jazz take mm. on it um, yeah, you know, you mentioned so. that earlier, um, and I had this question written down, but you alluded to it when you were playing the set earlier in the earlier this afternoon, and you said Romania is really sort of a, a spiritual home for the group. Absolutely. I was going to ask you, you know, aside from where you live, where in your travels, where's that magnet pull you to? And I guess that's it. Romania is certainly one of them, like for the whole band, because it's the first place that we together experienced um you know eastern european culture together and the first place where we went like we hit we went to the source as canadians and performed for people and understood that that what we're doing is important that there are romanians that you know there was always this kind of there was always this kind of um i guess this self-conscious thing of like oh well we sound like we're canadians or whatnot and maybe this is it's kind of goofy and you know nobody would really care and why would we go why would we tour around the world presenting something that's not ours but in romania we understood that what we were doing it was so intrinsically 
uh, Canadian insofar as all of those things we were bringing to the music was, I mean, it was beautiful and interesting for Romanians because they heard themselves and they heard the attention and the respect that we paid to the music. So they they were impressed by the level that we the level that we got to, but then at the same time they were hearing elements of other parts of the world that they'd never been to wow. and that they had never experienced, and they got to vicarious, vicariously live that through us, and so we started to think about that now consciously as we started to to write more and more music from different parts of Eastern Europe. Wow. And, so that you know that having that first experience there was was super super special and it's something i think we'll never forget that's kind of what the musical experience really is all about is where you can hear something you identify with but at the same time opens your eyes and ears to something completely different absolutely we're looking for that all the time you know all the time i think everyone does in in music and in art and in life in general you know, we're all kind of just walking the world, we're all walking the earth and looking for those moments where we can feel something, anything, whatever that is. And you can feel something when you're alone in the forest um, and you can feel something when 12 brass instruments are playing in your face, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're right. just different feelings. <laughs> so something a little less esoteric here. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious about uh, the arrangements uh, yeah. of the song. So I heard you saying, uh, you know, a lot of times you'll take a traditional folk song from wherever it is and sort of put the LBO spin on it, mm-hmm. uh, for lack of a better word. But um, they're all head charts. Obviously, I mean, you guys aren't reading from when I say head chart, you're not reading from a music uh, sheet of music. Uh, so is it a collaborative effort? I'm sure you've got the horns are one section. You've got the percussion section. So mm-hmm. how does a how does a song get arranged? It is all um, I mean, the tradition is it's an oral tradition. Uh, we a lot of our guys come from, like I said, like classical or jazz school. So they know how to read church and they play in other projects where they have those charts in front of them but we made a conscious decision right from the beginning that even if we could and even if we all knew or learned or were willing to go there that we we wouldn't because there's something about that tradition even if it's harder at some points there's something about that that is i mean it's important to to eastern european music to folk music in general and we wanted to keep that alive um Generally, what happens is that, uh, you know, one person in the band will bring a song that they like, that they've heard, a recording of a song, and or maybe some, in some cases, several recordings. Um, and they'll be like, okay, we're going to learn the melody, and we're going to choose some basic chords. Sometimes it might be like just copying whatever the chords are in the recording. Sometimes if it's just a melody that somebody picked up, we might just say, okay, this here's what it sounds like, these are what the chords sound like, let's choose some, put some, a rough structure together. And then we'll start, and then we'll, you know, you know, we'll start just arranging, you know, start. Usually the person that brought the song has some ideas about what they want, where they want shots to happen or key changes, or they want the violins to be playing here and the brass instruments to be playing here and um, what they want everybody to be doing. But you know, it takes it's definitely a lot of rehearsals. And in some cases, we sit with a song for, 
you know, a couple of months and perform it even and tried and it it lives in one form and then all of a sudden there's a shift and we and we found that that thing you know that special something um that take that it just you know comes from the process yeah i'd noticed you know in, in my experience it was that um well i never really got a hold of a song or at least when I, in a group we had never really get a hold of it until we really just crashed and burned on it a few times yeah so you knew where those roadblocks and where those mistakes were once and then once it just turns into a, a tire fire uh then you can go back and sort of reconstruct it and 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 then it becomes really what it should be well it's like when you you know learning to ride a bike at some point dad's got to let go of that seat and you got to go and you might fall and usually it's not until you fall and scrape your knee that you realize i better try balancing yeah on this thing <laughs> cuz it's going to hurt falling every single time yeah. you know or i better put my foot out when it's time to stop or whatever it is and so yeah you we've crashed and burned lots and uh and i that is a part of the process yeah, absolutely it, it really is uh last thing uh, i know there's You've got a lot of members in the group. There's 11 of them. And I just want to take uh, a second here uh, for you to say, you know, introduce who's in the band mm -hmm. so we all know. Uh, and the one person I wanted to start with who I um, found particularly interesting just because of the skill set uh, was um, the lady who was dancing and singing and mm -hmm. playing tambourine and playing Finger symbols. I mean, when you think so, and her name is Stefania Voloshin. Okay, and so Stefania, um, you know, when you think of somebody in a group and they're a, a dancer and they sort of have one job, but then I quickly realize she's operating on many different levels, and it's not easy to play tambourine mm -hmm. at 150 beats a minute <laughs> and stay in time and harmonize and dance well. Uh, very talented. Yeah, she's definitely very, very talented. And she's a, it's a, I'm glad you started with her because, you know, with most people in the group, um, you people come in and they might have a sort of like really interested in like one element, like, oh, I really, I heard this song and I really like it and I think I could play really well on it. Um, and they'll do that one thing. And then they'll have absolutely zero clue about the other 90% of the repertoire. <laughs> and it'll take some time. And, and one of the, the key sort of parts of this group has been to create that supportive, but also like competitive driving atmosphere to say, you can do everything and you can, you can do it. We're going to work on it, but you have to work on it. And if you do, you know, we'll give you that chance to crash and burn. And Stefania is a really great example of that. She started as a dancer. She came oh, really? in, yeah, and she had a Ukrainian dance and belly dance background. And she went, you know, I can dance a couple of songs during the set. And that's what we started with. She was a couple of, a couple of songs she would dance. And when she'd have an idea, she'd go, okay, I want to do this and let's do it. And we would try and it was great. And at a certain point, you know, she went, okay, well, uh, I'm standing around for half of these songs because you can only physically dance so much, right. you know? And she's like, I'm standing around like, 
I kind of, but I don't want to leave the stage because it feels weird. I want to be up there with you guys. And we went, well, what if you get a tambourine? And she got it and she started and it started very simple, just the downbeats. And then she evolved and worked with our percussion section. And now she's a part of the percussion section. And then she herself after that went, well, what, it, you know, it's too much to have sim like a tambourine on every song. What if I bring in some other things like the, the fingers ills, the, the finger symbols? And so she did that and and then that evolved into I want to sing is, you know, let's do some singing. We we actually, when we started, I wasn't a singer in the group either. We had another a woman who was who was our sort of lead singer. She sang everything and I sang a few harmonies on stuff. But then eventually she couldn't come on tour with us. She had a family and she even she left the group. Um and and so, you know. I just had to, I had to learn how to take that spot and develop my own sort of voice. And same thing with Stefania. She kind of, she started off as, okay, I'm going to do the support parts and then learned how to develop that voice and took workshops. And now she's, you know, an intrinsic part of our, of our sort of the harmonies that we can pull off yeah. during a set, opened up a whole bag of new, new possibilities. Yeah. I was just really impressed. Uh to see somebody that multi-talented in the group like that. And then the other uh, pers uh, other girl singing with you? That's my wife, Marichka. And she's, um, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously a little bit biased. <laughs> really? But, but I can say without bias that um, she's one of, I mean, one of, she's one of the most unique singers, I think, on the planet. Um, there's, there's only about, you know, five or six people on this earth that have as an extensive not only as extensive a knowledge about ukrainian traditional polyphony as she has but also the ability to sing it not just as like an archivist or sure as rare you see both of those in one package yeah and um and she's i mean she's mastered this style over 20 years of traveling to villages across eastern ukraine recording archiving um and then performing all of this music in in one of the most uh well-known uh ukrainian folk choirs um back in ukraine and so i mean the fact that she's now a part of this group has i mean it's just up the level of everything sure you know because she came into it with really being uh like an authority on this particular on ukrainian uh folk uh singing you know where the rest of our group we're like none of us were i mean now we've come to a point where we really know the music well but we didn't come into it as like authorities you know we just learned and we're always learning from masters all the time but marichka came into the group like one of the best in this form in the world wow. period you know so all of a sudden the rest of us went well if she's gonna open her mouth and sing we better make sure that the backing <laughs> sounds really good you know so it's 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 been just a pleasure like from a creative standpoint yeah. to see that effect on the band great and you're and you're married to her and that that's of good course. too yeah yeah, yeah. not too shabby uh percussion section yeah, our percuss our percussion section is there. Those are two of the guys that were um, 
Oscar, this the we call him the savage drummer. He he plays the big marching drum, his own sort of drum that he that he created. Um, he's from uh, San Miguel de Allende in in Mexico, um, and spent a little bit of time in the U.S. and then eventually moved to Canada. And now he's a Canadian citizen. And um, you know he he played with a, a samba group in Toronto for a really long time. So his sort of sense of street music and big presence and community work is really strong. And I think it's it's like the anchor of everything that we do, both like rhythmically and spiritually. Um, you know, and he's just a killer performer, just jumps around all over, getting everyone like psyched. He's infectious. And Josh is uh, sort of similar in terms of how infectious he is, um, but with from a completely different background. You know, he's, he's from Calgary and his parents are Guyanese and Indian and he's uh and he grew up in like in alternative rock and metal and punk music like being a kit drummer and then all of a sudden like one woman gave him a darbuka and he started playing it like a djembe and she went no not like that turned it around and he started he started he got drawn into this belly dance community playing for belly dancers and uh, I can see why he got, you know, really <laughs> into the drum. Right. But now he's like one of the most kind of studious people in our group as well. Like he spends time traveling to the Middle East um, to learn from a variety of masters, different techniques that he can bring into the group. And um, Josh Singh is his name. Yeah. And I noticed uh, he's kind of the uh, the term we use here is a straw boss. Yeah. And uh, that he gives the marching orders to everybody he's our road manager yeah. you know he's the guy and that's been a new thing i mean a big big sort of technical side and it's not it's not the glamorous side no. of, of uh of bands but with a group of 12 people you really have to figure out how to make it work on the road and part of that is making sure that everyone's taken care of making sure that when you get to a place you know who's in what room what yeah, the right. Wi-Fi code is, where the laundry <laughs> exactly. machine is, yeah. where the pool is, you know, or or if none of that exists, that we all know that, you know. So where the restaurants are, where the bar is, that's where right. the, all those... If all you're those, in a dry county. That's right. Right. That's right. Uh, so he's, he's our guy now, and he's doing such a great job. Excellent. Uh, so quickly, uh, the horn section. And the horn section, that's uh, Michael Lewis Johnson plays uh, flugelhorn. Nate Del Vandenberg plays trombone. Uh, Julian Selady plays the alto saxophone, and Ian Tullock plays the sousaphone. Yeah, that's a it's a, it's a nice unit. Uh, you mentioned you know elements of ska uh, are in there as well, which you know you can really hear with those super syncopated lines and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, what's amazing about those guys in particular is that like they've been. You know, I'm very particular about saying I want that hard in your face. Uh, like Eastern European brass style playing and they'll like, they'll really indulge me and go and like punish their faces to get to that, to get that sound. Cause that sound, it's hard. It's really physically hard to do. And so they'll, they'll do that and get to that point and to where we're like, we're sounding exactly like that. But at the same time, they're all so versatile 
that they can tone things down, which a lot of times like the Eastern European street bands can't do. They at one volume, that's what they can do. But these guys, they can get quiet. They can build dynamic. We can have a huge dynamic range even within one song. And, and you know, we're... We're lucky. It's I think it's one of the best brass sections. Like, in it's North nice America. to have that behind you. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> it's feels really good. comforting. Uh, on your second fiddle, second fiddle's James Mackay, and he's like he's what I call he's a real violin player. I'm a I fake it, you know, and he's just he can play anything too. He's I mean he 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 has classical training and you know he learned the notes and everything and then he got into bluegrass and um and and like quebecois music and acadian music stuff like that yeah and so you know he he's just has such a wide range and he's one of those guys that it doesn't take you know if it takes the rest of us kind of three or four or five rehearsals to sort of like learn a song, learn a melody. Like I could, I could say like, all right, chill out, James. And then on the fifth rehearsal, he'd come in and be like, okay, what's the melody? And I'd play it and he'd play it back to me right away. And uh, so he's, he's almost a little unfair. It's kind of, kind of unfair. A little bit. <laughs> but it's all, but you know, he's again, the but he's such a pleasure to listen to and to watch yeah yeah and then if i'm not mistaken last uh but not least would be uh on guitar that's right alex and he's one of the original members oh really that's right he's he's actually my story with him is he's uh he's one of my sister's uh closest friends growing up and they used to go to camp canoeing together and stuff <laughs> like that and uh and he was i remember that you know, I came back from a stint in Ukraine and I was a little bit bummed out because I was like, man, who am I going to play with? Nobody here's going to know this music. And, and then she introduced me to him and we went to a party together. Um, my sister's five years younger than me, by the way. So I went into this, this party with all these kind of like fresh out of, you know, high school or university kids, little age kids kind of thing. And this and brought my violin and started just playing and and he picked up on stuff right away he mm. just like and he was really into it and he was having a tough time in school and so i encouraged him to quit school good for you yeah i did good i feel good about yeah, it right. i was like man quit school join <laughs> lemon bucket it's gonna be great yeah. you're gonna love it and uh I certainly hope that he's the only person in my life who takes my advice uh, in that way. <laughs> well said. Well, I have to say, um, I, I didn't realize you guys had been playing almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just want to say uh, kudos to you because I know keeping a band together is difficult, uh, especially one of this size. Mm. In so many ways, you're responsible for a lot of people's lives. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and that's a big responsibility. Well, we take that responsibility like together, yeah. which is, I think, the the way that why it works so well. And of course, I you know, I feel lucky, privileged that at some point in that in that process, the guys have said to me like, "We want you to lead it," and uh, and so that's a of course it's a huge responsibility to sort of take that on and steer it in in whatever direction that we're going in. Um, but it's also, you know, we kind of all understand that 
we all came from that same place. It's not like I had special like leadership training that, <laughs> you know, or like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not equipped yeah, to yeah. be like a CEO, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so when we're doing yeah. it, we all kind of go, okay, well, we'll, we'll figure yeah, this yeah. out as we go along. You know, yeah, I know what you're saying. Well, you guys have really done just a remarkable job of carving out a real unique niche uh, that I think needed to be filled, honestly. You know, there's uh, what you guys do incorporates so many different elements. It's relatable on so many different levels. And watching uh, the crowd this afternoon in that more intimate setting, you can see um, how important it is to, for musicians to reach people and have that connection. And that's why I guess that's what keeps you guys going. I think so, especially um, especially nowadays. You know, it's uh, it's it's a we're living in this in a time where there's a lot of instability in the world, uh, particularly. Um, I mean, particularly in the U.S. Oh, good and, grief, yeah. And it's sort of we're we're feeling it also up in Canada. Um, and my Ukrainian back, I mean, I'm Ukrainian and me and my wife met during the protests in, the, in 2014 in Ukraine. That's evolved into a full-on war. And it's a, it's a very difficult time that we're living in and, and we have the opportunity in our music to sort of create a little bit of, um, a little bit of opportunity for connection, for understanding, for conversation. Um, and for shared sort of positive emotion and experience. Um, and I think that's really important here, especially in a project with a project that um, that as we, as we say, builds bridges and and not walls. Um, so that's sort of that's the most important thing for us to do and why we keep doing it. Lemon Bucket Orchestra. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for the time today. Continued success. Our pleasure.